I'm going to read 1 Peter 1. I want to read it to you in the New King James, but the language is uh, a little bit old, I guess, but it's literal. It's what the, the translation should actually say. So I'm just going to read each verse one at a time, twice, once in the New King James, which is the real translation, and then the Passion Translation so that we get the sense of it. So, 1 Peter, we're reading verses 3 to 9, and then 22 and 23 if you're following along in your own Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Passion Translation words that, Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Amen. So what happens here is the word in Greek is blessed. But that doesn't mean God's sitting on his throne saying, yeah, I'm blessed. No, it's actually a command to us to celebrate God to celebrate salvation. And you see how um, the New King James says that he's begotten us again to a living hope. And the, New, the Passion Translation says we, we're reborn, which is what begotten means. We're reborn to experience a living, energetic hope. Because the word living in Greek doesn't mean biologically alive. It means full of energy. But the word translates living. That's the correct translation, but it, there's in we're missing it if we don't get the full sense of it. Hello? So some people want to badmouth these translations that aren't literal word for word, but uh, and some of them aren't very good, but some of them are just great. And I'm just hoping that to give you the sense of what this says uh, in the Passion. Incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Passion Translation says, We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Amen. Amen. So we're praising God because he has caused us to be born again into a living hope that salvation is awaiting us, reserved for us in heaven. Amen. Verse 5 who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Passion says, though through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, in 1 John, he says, we don't even yet know what salvation is. I mean, what we are experiencing here is so little of what the fullness of it is, we don't even have any idea. And God says, no mind has conceived, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, the things I have in store for you. Our our wildest imaginations cannot even begin to touch 1% of what is reserved for us in heaven. It's ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, in this, in knowing that God is reserving salvation for us in heaven and that he is guarding us in the meantime, that's what we just read, what we just read, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy. There's a very different wording. Well, greatly rejoice is what it says in the Greek. But the idea is jumping, spinning, celebrating. Remember the Hebrew word hallel means to spin, 
That's what David was doing when he was dancing before the ark. He was halleling. That's where we get the word hallelujah. Hallel, Yah. Dance in front of Yahweh like you're crazy because you're just so overcome with joy at his salvation. So may the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to, to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But these trials that you're going through... These only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. Verse 8, whom having Jesus, whom having not seen, you love. You haven't seen Jesus, but you love him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. In the Passion, it says, you love him passionately, although you have not seen him. But th through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. Amen. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. For you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation promised you, your soul's victory. Then we're going to jump, if you're following along in your own Bible, we're jumping to verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. The Passion says, Now because of your obedience to the truth, you have purified your very souls, and this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers. So express this sincere love toward one another passionately and with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. For through the eternal and living word of God you have been born again, and this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. Amen. Go back to 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 in the New King James, which is the real translation. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, knowing God's salvation. We greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. For the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold which perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've got a couple things I want to point out in this verse that the Lord pointed out to me um, back on Monday when I was reading this. It's actually really early for the Lord to give me the sermon for the week. Um, Monday is like, wow, I, I know what I'm doing all week. And I know what the Lord told me to do. Sometimes it gets to Thursday and Friday. I'm like, all right, Lord, it's about time here. Because I really am committed to not delivering a word I haven't heard from him. I'm not just going to pick a topic and teach on it. I've got to hear from the Lord. What does he want me to feed you this week? So this was Monday I was reading this, and this jumped out at me, even though now for a little while, if need be. Whatever trials... Troubles, griefs, broken hearts, suffering, whatever sacrifice you have been required to pay was necessary. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And I mean for you to take this as a, as a, a promise of encouragement. That these things will only happen if they're necessary. Not one ounce of your grief, not one moment of your suffering is wasted. 
you have not gone through some loss or heartbreak, you have not had to suffer lies or attack or slander or whatever, you have not had to love that difficult person just because life is hard. God will make something necessary out of it. I want to say that again. Not one ounce of your grief, not one moment of your suffering is wasted. God will use it to bring his kingdom into the earth, to save you or the other person, or accomplish his eternal purposes in some way. And the necessity might be something for you. It might be something for another person. Jesus suffered for our salvation, and we might have to suffer for somebody else's. Hello, you parents and grandparents know that. You know you're dealing with people. If you're going to bring them into salvation, you're, you're going to have to pay a cost to love them. Colossians 1.24 says, I, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. I don't know what Paul means by what's lacking in Jesus' suffering, but we all know that love is suffering. Love is paying a cost. So maybe the necessity of what it is that you're going through or having to endure, uh, maybe that's the salvation of the other person. Or, or maybe the situation is for the glory of God. I know it's theologically really sticky, but the Pharisees were arguing about this man that was sick. Was, was it his parents' sin or his sin? And Jesus said, no, it's for the glory of God, and he healed him. Be really careful about blaming what you went through on, on God's doing, but it's absolutely God uses it, redeems it, and he gives you beauty for ashes and he makes something out of it. For a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes even though it is tested by fire, so gold is purified in the forge, all of the impurities are skimmed off, and then the liquid gold is hardened again, and, and it's pure. And the picture here in Scripture is that the situations of our life is the fire, and we are, our faith is the gold that's being purified. God's got to get all the impurities out. So whatever troubles we're suffering is, is purifying your faith, but Peter tells us here that our faith is more valuable than gold. That's not a cliche. That isn't an empty comfort. God says your faith is the most valuable thing about you. And the thing about gold is it's not just valuable, it's beautiful. And we know that a person who's been through a tremendous hardship been through that fire of purifying and comes out smiling is gorgeous. That faith is amazing. Sometimes my wife is here in excruciating pain. She suffers from terrible headaches. And she gets on her knees and she's worshiping and crying, not, out, not because of her pain but in love for the Lord. And I 
I've never seen anything more beautiful than knowing the excruciating pain she's in and how tough it was to even get out of bed. When your heart's been broken in loss or pain and you throw up your hands and you declare the goodness and the love of God, that is the most valuable thing in the universe. And the verse ends with saying that Jesus is going to personally, in front of all the angels and all the other people in heaven, Jesus will personally praise you and say, do you see what she did in the prayer closet? Do you see, I want to brag on how secretly generous this couple was. I want to show you how devastatingly heartbroken this person was, but he did this anyway. He stayed faithful. Amen. That's what it says. It will, that it will be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to praise the faith of his servants who sacrificed themselves for him inside of whatever pain and fire life brought their way. So I'm going to lead you in a one-sentence prayer in response to this script in response to this scripture. And here it is. I'll read it to you and then and then if you want to say it with me you can. Okay God, since this is the situation, use this for salvation and glory. There's our prayer. Good enough? I'll say it one more time. Okay, God, since this is the situation, use this for salvation and glory. Everybody who wants to pray that, let's do that together. Okay, God, since this is the situation, use this for salvation and glory. Amen. Amen. I realize that some of you pray that through great pain or sacrifice. Verse 8, Jesus, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. The word believing there, I'm going to pull a English teacher here on you and give you a grammar lesson. The word believing in the Greek and here in the English is what's called present progressive tense, meaning it is always happening. Present progressive tense, it is always going on. We are always believing is what this sentence says. Though you do not see him, yet in an eternal state of belief, you with me? You have inexpressible joy. The Passion Translation, we read it before, it says you love him passionately, although you have not seen him, but through believing in him you are saturated with ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. How do you get ecstatic joy? Continual belief. If you don't feel ecstatic joy most of the time, then what's wrong? Come on. Hello? What's wrong? You're not believing. Because when you are in a current, present progressive, tense state of belief, you will 
Be joyful. Ecstatically. Like people will make fun of you. You're so happy. Like, does this person really know what's going on in reality? Yes, I believe God. Believing, you rejoice. Loving Jesus who you have not seen, but believing that his salvation is real, believing that salvation is reserved for you in heaven, believing that God is, all the verses we already read, believing that God is, is guarding you until the time Jesus returns, believing that, you rejoice with ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. And I know not every moment, but it should be a lot especially when you're praying or worshiping, reading your Bible, loving your neighbor. I realize there's painful conversations, there's difficult situations. We're not living in a drunken state of hysteria. But it should be very often that you are so happy you can't put it into words. And I don't necessarily mean it will be an emotion all the time. I had a guy in the church just, uh, I think it was this week, maybe last, tell me that since he's been baptized in the Spirit, he says, I find myself weeping a lot, but I'm not necessarily feeling anything. He means it's not emotion. And like, I know exactly what you mean, because I'm not an emotional person, but I feel love for God very powerfully. Often, just yesterday morning, it happened again in a dream, this spiritual, it's not an emotion, it's a spiritual event, it's a sensation, I don't know what it is, it is absolutely unearthly. I just dreamed I was out in the street in front of our house shouting Jesus, Jesus, Jesus over and over again, and in my dream I couldn't stand up straight, and the people with me couldn't stand up, and we all just... We all just overcome with with the presence of God, and it is absolutely unearthly. And it just lasts for a flash, and the dream went on elsewhere. But when I woke up, I'm like, God, that there is no way to describe what I just felt. That is indescribable joy. I already had this sermon written out, and then it happened to me. But our souls should rejoice also. We can we can embrace hope and joy and faith, and uh, it should make us. Rejoice with inexpressible joy. Steve Backlund says this, Every area of your life that does not glisten with hope means you are believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Well, I first heard that probably 10, 12, 15 years ago. I don't know, and it's, it's extremely offensive to me. But the, the, longer I, the longer I live and the more I see and experience and know, I realize, yeah, any situation where I am hopeless, that is the devil. Even the most difficult people to love, God is not hopeless about them. So I can't either. I can have real joy in any cost he requires me to pay, any suffering he requires me to do, any sacrifice he requires me to lay down because I believe. And so some of you are saying, well, Mitch, I believe in God, but how can I have joy when I'm in this and this and this and this going on? And 
Well, if, if we truly believe what God has promised and we're obeying his commands, your joy should at least be continually increasing. Continually increasing. Heidi Baker just a few weeks ago in Florida told a story of she's a missionary in Mozambique and some Muslim terrorists attacked some of their churches and burned them down, killed people. And the pastors of these churches gathered. Some of them had lost their children. Some of them had lost a wife or maybe more than one of them had lost a wife. All of them had, of these five or six guys had lost their their buildings and their congregations are scattered due to fear of these terrorist attacks. And she said, we just, we sat in a chair and we started praying for one guy at a time. And she said, we put the first guy in the chair and we gathered around to pray for him. And everybody here except her has just, like in a, the previous week, lost children or church members or even a wife. And she said, and he, we, we laid hands on him to pray for him. And he began to laugh. He began to laugh harder and laugh harder. And she, the joy of the Holy Ghost came not to mock and laugh at what was happening, but to heal what was happening. And she said it was so intense. His screaming laughter was so intense. She's like, God, is this appropriate? <laughs> but then all the other guys just started laughing in the joy of the Lord that was the medicine their hearts needed. And of course, it didn't stay that. It was just in the moment there's this experience of the joy of the Lord that heals their heart. Even in the midst of crushing loss and terror, the Holy Spirit comes and brings indescribable, offensive joy. How could he laugh when his kids had just died a few days ago? Because he believes. He believes more than we do. He knows where they're at. That they're free from this world. Of course, they went on and wept more and had funerals and have to rebuild buildings and whatever else. I don't know the details of the situation, but when God says, if we believe, we will have inexpressible joy, he expects that. we got some laughing to do, don't we? Come on. Verse 22 and 23. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. And I cut that off. It's not all of verse 23, but I just want to bring that out. Having been born again, the, the phrase there in verse 23, in the Greek, that is past perfect tense. And it's, it's done. It's over. And it was done in the past. Hello? It's already done now. It's finished. And actually, to translate that Greek word into English requires like, uh, it requires seven words. Having been caused to be born twice. That's all in one word in the Greek. Having been born, having been caused to be born twice. What we mean when we say born again is that our hearts, God made them new and started over. Washed all the past away. We were dead inside. 
God brings his spirit in and makes us alive in our spirit, in our heart. And where there was not love, before there is love. Where there is not conviction of sin, now there is. Where there was not a, a, a desire to obey God, now there is. That's what it means to be born again. Having been caused to be born twice. Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. The Passion Translation said, love one another passionately with a pure heart. Do you feel fiery, passionate love for the people in this room on a daily basis? Not just this room, but all of our brothers and sisters throughout the whole valley, the whole world. What causes fervent, intense love? Having been born again. Hello? If you've been born again, if you think that's happened, you should have the evidence of intense, fiery love. A desire to give up your life for the people in this room. If that desire is not there, I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. No matter how long you've been attending here, I would love to introduce you to Jesus. Because you need to be born again. You need to have the love of God put in your heart. If we're singing our heart burns for you and you're bored, you need to be born again. If your heart isn't burning. Being born again. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. So for those of you who who aren't born again, I I seriously, I would love to pray with you, to introduce you to Jesus. He will give you a new heart. He will put his Holy Spirit in you, and everything will change. Absolutely everything will change. If you are certain you have been born again in the past, that God has caused you to have been born twice, uh, but you don't have inexpressible joy often, or you don't passionately, fervently, intensely burn with love for your fellow Christians, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to repent of turning off that stuff, focusing on the world, getting weary or angry, or just chasing other things. And if you are experiencing inexpressible joy and fervent, fiery, burning love, go for more. Lord, we need you. We need you to reign on our hard ground so that we can be fruitful, so that we can experience joy and fiery, intense love again. Lord, for those who are here this morning who are not born again, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would speak your name over them, that you would speak their name and draw them to the throne of God. Cause them to be born again into a living, eternal hope. For those who have been caused to be born twice, but are not living in fervent and fiery, intense love, a love that burns for you and wants to make sacrifice 
wants to spend time privately with you and and together in the presence of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would increase my people's love, that we would burn with holy fire, with love for you and love for each other because we have been born again and your holy fire is in our hearts. Lord, for those who are not experiencing inexpressible joy and full of glory, Lord, I pray that you would heal them with the joy of the Lord. Pray that you would come upon them in embarrassing, silly happiness, ecstatic joy that burns our hearts, that we would be actually different from the world, that we would be actually a light, that we would be actually strangers and aliens in this place that the world would look at us and not understand where our hope and our peace and our joy come from. I know what you've been through. I know where you've been. I know what's happened to you. How can you be that happy? Because I love Jesus and I believe him who I have not seen. But I believe. I believe with all my heart. Lord, I pray for each person here that you would let them feel and experience what I did yesterday morning. That there are no words, but that we would know love that surpasses all knowledge. We would truly be full of all the fullness of God. Even in the midst of the purifying fire, as you are bringing out our faith as gold, We will praise you. We will celebrate. We will sing. We will dance. We will thank you. Even in the midst of great difficulty and big questions and broken hearts, we declare that you are good and that you are perfect love and that your salvation is real. And even though we have not seen you, we love you and we rejoice with inexpressible joy. We have every reason to celebrate if we truly believe. Amen.